listeners, and welcome to Gotta Jabru, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things, fish and beer. Fish and beer. You always do that. I am the Lizza. I am the Nick. And welcome to episode 27. Uh, 26. Are you sure? Yep. I think it's 27. Oh, it's 26. I'll bet you... You know, you don't want to take this bet. I'll bet you a t-shirt from Albany. A fish shirt? Huh? Oh yeah. I'll if take that. This bet. if the one we're recording right now is not twenty seven. You it's don't not, get it. It's not. Okay. Twenty six. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see. I guess you'll be asking me what size I wear. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Cool. I'm actually more excited about the beer segment than the fish segment today. Yeah, we might have a shorter fish segment today. That's fine. I think we will. But I found something fun. A little fish trivia. Okay. So uh, I honestly don't know. I don't know where this was, like what website or anything this was on. I literally randomly found it on the internet. Good old internet. Um, And it's a 10-question survey. And it's supposed to be difficult. Four out of 10. Most people get four out of 10. No, like it's a four out of ten in in difficulty. So they're saying it's difficult. Like so, a nine out of ten would be extremely difficult. A ten out of ten would be like the most difficult. This is a four out of ten. Yeah, doesn't that mean it's easy? Uh, I thought it was. I was like four out of ten. That's pretty easy. And then I looked over and it was like difficulty, difficult in red. So we'll see. It was played one hundred and twelve times as of today. Okay. I looked, peeked at the first question, and I do not know the answer. I don't think I'm going to get many of these, but let's start it off. Question one. Fish has many songs under their belt. What is the first Fish song that they claim was written in the 70s? The Your choices are Divided Sky, Golgi Apparatus, You Enjoy Myself, Makasuka Policeman. I think it's Golgi Apparatus. I guess we have to come to a consensus. Wait, are they only answer one thing? S- read the question again. Are they claiming that they wrote it together? Or? They ru- they claim it was written in the seventies. Um, the oldest song is probably Golgi Apparatus. Is my best guess because um, it was written. That's my instinct. For like a project, yeah, for science to remember science shit. Okay, cool. So let's keep it with that. That's what I said. Question two. Fish has been known to cover a variety of songs. However, they've only covered this Bob Marley classic once. What is it? No Women, No Cry, Soul Shakedown Party, Trenchtown Rock, or Jaman. They play Soul Shakedown all the time, so we can rule that out. I've never heard them play Jammin or No Women, No Cry or Trenchtown Rock. So what would you say? Trenchtown Rock would be my guess. That they've only played it once? Yeah. Have you seen them or heard them play No Women, No Cry? No. Have you seen or heard but them play I don't, play I don't even think I've heard of them playing No okay, Maybe fine. they've cool. covered an entire Bob Marley song on Halloween. I don't know. Let's pick, you're saying Trenchtown Rock. Let's pick it. Oh my God, it won't let me pick it. Uh, word. In sticking with fish cover songs, which of these is a cover? Susie Greenberg, Runaway Jim, Yamar, or Bouncing Around the Room? Isn't it Susie Greenberg? I, that's what I picked, yeah. The original band consisted of five members, true or false? True. That is true. That is true. Who wrote the lyrics to Harry Hood? Brian Long, Mike Gordon, Tom Marshall, or the Dude of Life? Oh, man. 
I think it was Todd Marshall. That'd be my guess. The dude of life I know wrote Antelope. And I know he did write a lot of other things. So I don't know. It could be that too. I don't know. Let's pick one. I don't even know who Brian Long is. <laughs> Let's pick the dude of life. I guess we, we have a lot of researching to do after this, I feel like. We have to, like I guess they're going to tell us the right answers. But yeah, they're going to tell us the right answers. Okay. The band has done several Halloween shows with their second set as a costume. Which of the albums was not a Halloween cover? A Dark Side of the Moon, The White Album, Remain in Light, or Quadrophenia? Uh, Quadrophenia was done. So was Correct. The White Album. And so what was the other one? Dark Side of the Moon or Remain in Light? So they have played Dark Side of the Moon, but it wasn't, I thought, when they were dressed up in costumes. I thought that was at Red Rocks. Or have they never played Dark Side of the Moon? I feel like because they've done it, it's got to be the other one. Remain in Light? No, I think they did do that one too. Ah, I'm so confused. Which one do you want to pick? Dark Side of the Moon or Remain in Light? Because you know they did the White Album and I know they did Quadrophania. Yeah, I knew they, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, I think we should. Dark Side of the Moon. Oh my God. Okay. You think that's wrong? I think they've done that. I don't think it was a Halloween costume second set. Okay. I think that's the trick. But maybe I'm wrong. Fish's New Year's Eve Millennium concert in Florida, Big Cypress, that's the one I think they play Dark Side of the Moon at, was the largest paid concert event in the world at the time. True or false? Largest paid concert event in the world at the time? Could that be true? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think that. Fish is that important. Uh, Fish's popularity has grown tremendously throughout the years. When was the first time they appeared on the cover of the Rolling Stone magazine? I would say like it's the 90s. Have they ever? Um, There's an answer for never. (laughs) 2000, 2003, 1999. I know Trey's been on the cover of Rolling Stone. They had to have been on the cover of Rolling Stone. Uh, I don't think it was. uh, It's either 2000 or 1999. I don't think it's 2003. I think that's too early. Like too soon from now to now. Yeah, I don't know. I'll pick 99. It's my favorite year. I think I've seen the picture, but I would have. This is making date, me realize I'd be The really date is something trivia. I would never do. Yeah, this is a good practice. The 93-94 New Year's Eve show in Worcester, Massachusetts featured something special. What did this show feature? A time machine, a giant clam, snowflakes, a giant hot dog. Probably the hot dog. No, the hot dog was at fucking MSG. See, these questions are designed to trick you. You're bad at test taking, aren't you? Yep. You just cling on to the fact that you know. Out of all the words in front of you, you just pick one that you know. Yep. Yeah, that's the worst thing to do. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Worcester, Massachusetts? I don't know. The hot dog was MSG. Could it be snowflakes? I know they've done rain on stage. Not snowflakes. Okay, so a giant clam or a time machine. What are we thinking? It's the time machine. Okay, let's go with that. How many official shows has Fish played? <laughs> These are big numbers. 1,475, 1,32, 1,199, this is a stupid question because of uh, the fact that it's still running. It's in like the thousands. It's like 1,600 and something. So do the 14 whatever because I don't know when this test was made. Great. Boom. All right. The answers are in. Uh, does it say how much we got or it just says it just is telling us the actual answers to the questions we got wrong? Golgi apparatus was not. The correct answer was Makasuka policeman. Really? 
Yeah, read why. Trey has, Trey has told the story during live performances that Tom Marshall wrote this song in grade school, making it their only song written in the 70s. Okay, we got Trenchtown Rock Right. That's the only Bob Marley cover they've played once. And it was at the Stark Lake Amphitheater in 98. They've covered Soul Shakedown Party a total number of four times. This test is old. We got to figure out when this test was made because that's not true. I've seen them play it at least two. And I've only been a fan since 2014. Ooh, we got Susie Greenberg wrong. The Amar is a cover, which I didn't know. Uh, the original band consisted of consisted of five members. That's false. The original band formed in 1983, consisting of four members, with Jeff Holdsworth playing guitar and no keyboards. It wasn't until 1985 that Paige joined the band. I thought that all those people were in the band at the same time. I did think there was five. Brian Long, the dude I didn't know, wrote Harry Hood. He is credited as being their first fan. He lived with Mike Fish and Paige in a house next to the Harry Hood Milk Factory. Oh, yes, in Vermont. I did know that story. Damn. So this, so wait, I was able to <laughs> use the Damn. internet, use the other internet, the other computer in the room to figure out when this test was made. If they're claiming that Soul Shakedown Party was only played four times, then it was played in 2004 was the last time they had played it. So the test is anywhere from 2004 until 2009. Cool. So that's There's a hiatus in there. There's a hiatus somewhere in the there. Song, so it's the song's meddled. Yeah. I mean, this quiz is meddled. Yeah. You got to read the ones we got wrong. They're all wrong. <laughs> Fish's New Year Eve Millennium Concert in Florida. It's true. You're really bad at reading these answers back. Question eight. Fish's popularity has grown tremendously throughout the years. It's somewhere they were on Rolling Stone. Oh, see, it, they were they were on it the cover of March 6, 2003. A giant clam w was what was on stage in Worcester, Massachusetts. Damn. And f 11.99 official shows. We scored two out of ten. <laughs> That's only 30 points. We got two out of ten right. Yeah. Damn, does that just not like slap you in your face? Um, I do have a copy of what is it, the fish book that J3PO gave me for a birthday. And yeah. it's just making me realize I have to read that book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I asked myself, like, do I care to read that book enough to know or do like yeah it's I don't know. Well, you admittedly don't care about trivia. Yeah. At all. At all. Do you care about sports stats? No. Oh, yeah. So you're just not one of those people. Yeah. Hey. I do you, used to, do uh, you know the most about Fish out of all the bands you like because it's your favorite band? Do you know the most about it? Yes. Right. I also don't. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is by association, though. So, like, a lot of it I don't think I would know if someone hadn't told me it. Like, I would like have in read Like, in conversation. Right. Yeah, right. like, you don't research anything. It's just in conversation. Right. And honestly, that's something that's <laughs> talk about interesting to talk about is that I if I can say that like 90 percent of my fish knowledge is from someone telling it to me, I can also tell you that a large part of it is like from different people telling me like the stories that they remember or someone right. going back when I saw fish in 94, right. I saw this crazy show with blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right, 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 right. I get a lot of information that way. Copy that. When people reminisce the fish about you, do you find that they're most reminiscing about their experiences at shows or the things that pe they played? Like, oh, I was at the, you know, 
Tahoe tweezer. Or they're talking about like experiences they've had with other people. I think most people talk about the shows they've been to. Because I mean, I mean, now you can talk about shows that you just happen to see because you can watch them on the internet. But like, and you can't even watch all of them on the internet. We're getting close to a point where <laughs> that might be a thing soon. Um, I feel like right now there's like a Mixel X XR or like whatever I forget this app that where you can just like someone goes there and like live audio streams it. Yeah, with a camera, the way that they do like recording the song, it's the same thing. No, 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 no. Like an audience member. Like you're not supposed to do this, but it exists. Record People a... People listen to it. Yeah. You're talking about video? Audio. Why are you talking about audio? We were just talking about video. Because it's audio only. Like these. No, are so you said coming soon, we're going to watch everything online. Yeah, ev- eventually they'll figure it out. I mean, it's a very, like, against, like, that's against the law. Like, you're recording a live concert. That you paid to get into. And broadcasting it. You're, like, pirating it, basically. But I paid to get into that concert. So, but then again, <laughs> there's like this weird thing where it's like audio is allowed. So I can go in and, rec- and set up my little rig. We talked about that last episode. I could, you know, set up microphones and have a little zoom and record everything. Right. So it's like someone else can do that too. And just have that thing that they're recording too hooked up to the internet and just like live stream the audio. They've never so released like, cool. like videos of the shows, right? Where you can buy them after they professionally record it. Like they recorded Vegas. Yeah. Right, they turned it into like an album. So, like, was no one filming? No one, f- people film their shows all the First time, all, right? Fish is filming themselves, like every yeah. single. I mean, even at when we were at um. So Camden, there's a video archive of it. Yeah, and even when we were at Camden, like they film the stuff that gets projected to the screens when you're in the show, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying this tape doesn't exist. What I'm saying <laughs> is, is that this is like audience members like sharing this shit this is where that like so let's see yeah, let's talk about this because i feel like people are very uh divided on this and i feel like you're like the douchebag from metallica and i'm like i think all music should be shared i'm free um yeah i mean i don't well, i mean what side of this argument do you want to even like, you start you think what that's fucked up to share there's a line music and videos I think there's a audio? certain line that people claim that there is, but it's hard to draw that line with how Fish is. So uh, the reason I say that, so Fish basically lets you go to a show right now, bring in recording equipment, you can carry in a bag, set up a, a pole, and, like put microphones on it, record the show, because that's um, things that are like inherent of, you know, they've been doing that forever. So other people would argue that like if you were to take that same audio that you're like taking and recording that night and broadcasting it live on the internet that you're basically taking money away from the band so remember i was telling you there was that um rule in the uh, addicted to fish facebook group where it was just like they don't allow any links in their group to be post posted so that people can watch the show for free because they think you should have to pay and support the band so that's like a basic genetic like a I don't want to say basic. It's like a, um, it's like a music debate. This has been, yeah, this yeah, has yeah, been yeah. in music for a very long time. Yeah. You're basically <laughs> saying like, am I allowed if I get into the show to share it with people who didn't get into the show? Right. And don't I, you think, I don't know. I guess you're right. I don't know. I think if like I did it with like a group of people on the internet, see, that's the problem. The internet and access to digital media is everywhere now. It would be different if, like, I could only, like, post it in a chat room and, like, share it with a couple people. Now it's like you can just... They do that. 
but you can just like put it all over the internet. But that's what I'm saying. So the chat room is like thousands of people. There it's are not like a couple of friends. Social media chat rooms that exist where you can go in there and get links to like live audio of the fish show. So it's like someone inside the fish show who's paid is like offering up their phone has it in their pocket and it's just like streaming what their phone can capture in their pocket or you know maybe they have it hooked up to their rig i don't know and they're broadcasting what's happening at the show okay see so like now let's talk about it in a different way (laughs) do you no no like how much is too much like do you think recording like a clip do you think like recording a song like do you think recording the whole show like what do you think i personally think that like recording a song or a clip or whatever is fine i mean they do that themselves um the problem with actually saying that it's fine is that if you get one person who records one song like if you just coordinate it someone's taking a video of every single song and you have the whole thing so we're right back where we started so it's (laughs) i think that there is something to be said about people who collect music though like there were people who would try to get every live recording of Zeppelin. There were people who tried to get every live recording of fucking Queen. Like people do that. They like want to hear every single time that someone does that. And the, again, the dead did it and they allowed it openly. Like people could just come and record the shows, but that was in an era where the internet didn't exist and everything that's was That's what I'm shared. saying. It's the internet. It's so our it's access like, to information now. That's what so I can easily go on fishshows.com, which is a legal site and like doesn't get shut down and like it's just shared audience recordings. Right. So I can get every recording from eighty seven, like when they, you know, earliest recordings you can get of them on stage all the way up until the last show they just played. It's open and free in there. How does that not get shut down? Because they're the people who recorded them are allowed they were allowed to record it. Like that's what I'm like. Got it. This is it's like a weird. I don't know. It's a weird thing. <laughs> Do you think they put terms on who they can share it with? No. I can just go to the website right now. And download yeah, but it. that's what I'm saying. Maybe they're just allowed to post it on this one website. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's just I don't know. Maybe it's one guy. I don't know. Music sharing saying, is so interesting to me. I don't like I think every artist deserves to get paid and I think when they create something they deserve money for it. But I think like talking is like a total fucking like idealist. Like I think that all music should be available to everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want everyone to be able to access all different types of music. And I mean there are things right <laughs> now that give you that access. Like I can go on my phone right now and download an app and listen to every live fish song that's uh, just on the internet i can go to fishtracks.com and every live fish song on the internet so it's like yeah fish od is free yeah same thing you can which is which is built audio. around fish.in which is free every live fish song on the yeah internet. So that's what i'm saying it's you're, you're in a weird place because they've allowed for this thing to happen which is makes it okay and like people can't go after them for it but at the same time also means that they can share it with whatever the fuck they want it's crazy some would argue that that's why fish has like the you know the uh the reach that they you know have right anybody can listen to it you can always get it like i think someone maybe shows you who see knows like, it so yeah but that that's uh, maybe you're leading me to my point like people who like fish are gonna have paid <laughs> for that experience 
you know, many times. Like someone who wants all of Fish's music to listen to is a fan, like a super fan. And that person is theoretically going to have like at least paid to see the videos that they post. Like, on, you know what I mean? Like paid to see shows like Couch Toured, even if they haven't go- paid to see the band. Again, we're, you, uh, this is so funny. It's all like music ethics and freaking rights and shit and law. But like if I go to a show and I pay to get in and I take out my phone, which is now a camera <laughs> <laughs> and right. a video recorder right, and right. I hit record on my phone right, and I keep it. Yep. No one ever sees it, but, you know, my family, my friends, like, because I was there and, like, that's it. That's you fine, like, right? You stole a piece of that experience. That's fine. I was just there. I'm sharing someone. Look, look what I just did. <laughs> so this is actually awesome. There are artists like Jack White who is banning cell phones at his concert. You have to f- give up your cell phone the way you check your coat and you are not allowed to bring it into the musical space. Yeah. And the entire show is cell phone free. So you can't take pictures, you can't record, you can't be on your phone because yeah. his whole thing is like his show is all about the experience of it. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think that's amazing. Um, <laughs> I would gladly do that. <laughs> they do that in school too so kids can't cheat on tests. I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, it's it's a huge thing to do. Dave Chappelle does that too when you does see he? him in stand-up. You have to put your phone into a bag and the bag... You can like surrender it. It gets like checked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, same way, same thing. I think that's great. I think in our society now, there are truly, there's truly no way to be 100% engaged in like the physical place you are, unless you're like out in you know the woods or nature or sitting in a mountain. Like here, we live in New York. Obviously, we live in a city with like high visual stimulation and audio stimulation. Like I think it's cool to be locked into a bubble for a while fish even talked about it don't you remember like put putting uh, black curtains on all the windows and like taking away people's cell phones so they wouldn't know what time it was yeah yeah, yeah. and like they had pay phones for emergencies or something yeah and trey was just gonna play yeah, they like play wanted play. to do yeah they like wanted to do that yeah so it's, it's like it's a it's a way that they can have more control over the creative space and i guess that's really what it comes down to is artists want to own have control over that creative space i i think it's also you know with them it's it's a weird territory because that's kind of like what made them who they are like trading tapes was like a thing back in the day and like trying to find live recordings was a thing but now you have the advent of the internet and smartphones and recording devices have just gotten that much better yeah um like all this shit has changed so much that like again using the fishshows.com website like you can tell in the newer recordings where a guy has a, a Zoom H6. You know, it's the recorder that we even use to do this podcast. So it's like they allow you just better quality sounding audio, which is now getting to the point where it's just like I was there. This is almost the SBD that I'm getting off the soundboard. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Now what? Do, you, do you cut it <laughs> off? Do you, you can't. You can't take away what you've already given to the fans, right? You can't just all of a sudden one day be like. Yeah, you're pissing off a very small group of people. Don't get me wrong, but like, still, like, how does that look for you as the band? I think they're that. I don't know. I don't know if this is just something that I'm fascinated by, but like, no, I think musical ethics is incredible. Again, like, there's really no other thing. Like, if I'm an artist who paints pictures or takes photographs, like, I am the sole human being that undeniably does that. Right. Music is a collaborative, like, language amongst, like, you know, 
people who like the same thing, like like-minded people, and like they all contribute different things to make a one thing a whole, a one whole thing. Right, but there's like so we- it's like ownership. But what I'm saying, there's I mean, ownership to be al- had. We're also talking about like. But music's not a commodity, man. I'm saying though, <laughs> but like it's also about how the experience has changed too with the advent of technology, though. So it's like you're, it's well, that's why like your argument of like putting it's, the phones mi- away and tucking right. away gets weird because it's like. In in Fish's case, in the way that they want to be, I feel like with their marketing and like how they do everything and how they sell themselves, I think it would be advantageous for them because they would have again more control of the experience, but also more control of their content. But like at the same time, I can take a picture at a fish show and you know end up going to a place now and getting it printed on canvas, and I have like a a print, you know, or. What's to stop someone from like going up to the poster of the day and now that cell phones are getting better and better at zoom and camera lenses and all that stuff, eventually you're going to go up to the poster, be able to zoom in on it, take a picture of the poster, just blow it up, get it printed and boom, you have the poster. Yeah, but it's not authentic or official or signed and yeah. numbered. That's the point. That's why those collectors do it. So again, so that's maybe that's it's an the original. Point, is that an OG. Like, yeah. People don't you know, you take, yeah, not, and I'm take like, the good, you take the bad. That's true. Like you can't stop it. Just let it be. Maybe that's, that w- that's why they just let it be. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Fish <laughs> has gotten progressively more expensive, so. I think <laughs> that's also why you just <laughs> let it be. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I thought what was really interesting, Um, I saw like three really good posters from um Curveball. Because obviously like the vendors try to get there first. So right. a lot of the people who spent the night were, you know, people intending to sell their shit <laughs> in the lot. And yep. a lot of the posters that I saw come off of that, you know, they immediately went for sale on like all these uh, social media sites because everybody's trying to all offload them and stuff were really, really pretty and beautiful. And then they were super dirt cheap because <laughs> obviously the show never happened. <laughs> but I bet See, you but when you go on eBay, the only fish posters that are really expensive are by Pollock or like really well known, like the fish artists again. So like originals. Right, right, right. But that's where I'm going. So like imagine he made a poster for this run how much that poster is worth now because the concert never happened instead of that poster being super 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 cheap it's now extremely rare and expensive because no one was able to get it so now he has control over these prints that he made for the show to sell each night now there's a gross lump sum of them i'm surprised i didn't see any like being auctioned off in order to like raise awareness and money for the disaster area of you know the you know the area around watkins Glen. they sold the posters you had to enter a lottery. Oh, you did. Okay, see, they did that, and yes. they did do that. See, yes. and I'm sure they went. So let's. Go- I gotta Google that. I want to know how much fucking money they made off that. I shit. told you. How much money was it? I have no fucking clue. Po- their posters are. W- they were charging what they normally charge for posters. What are they? Sixty bucks, eighty bucks? I don't fucking know. But they did it fairly. They did it lottery, the same way you get tickets. Ooh, speaking of which, I have to put in for New Year's because uh, I don't yeah. think I've done that yet. I haven't either. Um, <laughs> Wait, so the better question is, is what's what's the curveball uh, poster going for on eBay? Like what's being resold for? That's a part. Of I've like seen them for like five hundred dollars. There's a couple. There's a couple that are in there for a lot of money. Yeah, that's that's like the crazy. The, there's a poster that I got to uh, the New Year's run for. It was the year they did steam and I got there so flipping early. I got there like right as the doors open and I still didn't get a fucking poster. And um 
it was going i think on ebay when i first checked after the show was like 300 dollars, and then i checked it like about a year ago or just to see if i could still get it and it was like 500 dollars. like it's only gonna go up in value it's like a fucking i don't even know what what appreciates like that these days other than land yeah <laughs> not much else there's not much that appreciates beer you can leave your down some of it gets great after you know a couple years I don't know. Yeah, beer is the same way. I used to sell a lot of vintages for a lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Anything that's old and impossible to get and that's been aging, if it's supposed to be aging, is positive. Positive value. Huh. I just, I, I don't, I can't think of much things that like cars sometimes, and even depending, like cars are supposed to be the worst investment ever. They're just supposed to, they're just supposed to depreciate. Once you get them off the lot, unless you stuff them in a garage and never use them and somehow stuff keep it perfect. Stuff them in a garage. Yeah. Cool. That's what I'm saying. Very few things appreciate. It's in the eye of the beholder. Right? It's supply and demand <laughs> at the end of the day. It's stupid economics. It's funny. Like, no one cares about freaking Pokemon cards anymore. Keep or Pogs. Pogs, yeah. Man, I used to pay so much money for Pogs. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just round pieces of cardboard. Uh, baseball cards <laughs> baseball cards appreciated for a really long time they're like a collector's thing it's funny like coins i guess like we're going like in a time machine backwards trying to figure out what my dad collect. collects both of those things right and your dad's <laughs> what in his 60s 70s 70s so it's like th again that's what that generation was collecting i know my dad for sure who's in his you know mid 60s late 60s was baseball cards and like for some people, what do we collect? Let's, let's, let's I get rid of everything. I was gonna say, let's pull it all back around. I collect fish music. I download a lot of live fish music. Yeah, that's true. Like I don't think of any that like I I have comic books from when I was younger, but like I don't sure. really collect those anymore. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really collect much of anything other than fish uh, fish music. But I think one of the beauties about collecting it is that I I just have access to it. Yeah, you can take it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly you have a library digital library and music is important to me i'm always with the earbuds in my ear so it's like i'm always listening to music um what are you listening to right now i mean right as we're home. i was gonna say as we're approaching um vegas and everything like i've stopped listening to fish listening i to actually was listening to a vegas show because i wanted to see if they played frankenstein because i love that song yeah and it was too kitsch. It was too kitschy. I look. I le, uh, 2016 was the last time they played a Halloween show, right? Okay. They didn't play one last year. Uh, it was that was Vegas the Bowie. Last. It was when oh. they did the. Uh, oh no, no, it wasn't Vegas last. Yeah, Bowie. Bowie when they covered uh, the David Bowie tune. Yeah. The David yeah. Bowie album. Which was Vegas. They did three wasn't sets. That? Yeah, but I'm saying it was 2016, not last year. Okay. Two years ago, it's 2018. Um. Crap, I just forgot what I was going to say. I've been listening to uh, Halloween shows. <laughs> that's what I've been listening no, to lately. Oh, that's To what. prep myself for Vegas. No, no, no. When you're not listening to Fish. Oh, like what other music do I listen yeah, to? Yeah, what, what have you been listening to of recent? Or have you only been? <laughs> um, I, don't, I listen to like reggae a lot. <laughs> reggae. What, what? What do you, like a Pandora station of reggae? <laughs> yeah, like? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like anything, you know, classic reggae. Funk. I listen to a lot of Parliament Funkadelic. I like funk. Yeah. I listen to like blues. I listen to like old, like classic, like how know, Paul Simon. How are you consuming it? You're just like on Pandora. You have a bunch of stations yeah, to all yeah, these yeah. bands, and you just yep. let it run. Yep, Pandora. Yep. Got it. Um, I have 
for some reason, I don't know if it's because like iPhone storage space has just grown so drastically. Um, like we're up to, I mean, I have a 256 gig capacity on my phone now. So like all my music now actually lives on my phone. I stopped streaming shit, stopped using Spotify, stopped using Pandora. And I think a lot of the reason why I'm What do you do? Just make mix like m- playlists? No, no, no. I download whole like albums. Like I'm still like just downloading music. And then you just music. shuffle your entire library? Um, well, no, I've been jumping around by artist. So right oh, now okay. I've been listening to a lot of Nina Simone. Cool. I got like all her shit. Nice. And I've just Very been cool. like bouncing around her albums and shit. It's been really inter- it's just really interesting to do when you when you do it like that because like I think why people like Pandora is cuz of the random generation of it, but like if you make a fish station on Pandora, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. Like there's certain things that like the way that algorithm looks for similar music doesn't really work for like music that is within something, you know? Sure. So I find that when I'm like exploring new shit, I'd rather just download all the content myself and then just manage it and jump around. I have a better yeah, idea. Yeah, sure, sure. I like see I, I like the randomness of things. Yeah. I don't like being the one to pick things. I don't like making decisions. Well, I, I think <laughs> the problem too is that like I got a bunch of uh like a bunch of James Brown ones. I have like all his shit now. Nice. And it's like you you go through like an album or two and it starts to like just sound the same and like just I can't just like binge watch it the way I like binge watch a show on Netflix. Yeah. You got to like jump in, watch an episode, jump out. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good question. Do you listen to any other artists like full albums? No. I mean, no one plays live music the way Fish does where I'm like going to listen to one concert from another. Most concerts in a year of a tour of an artist, all the set lists are exactly the same. They sure, shift sure, sh- sure. songs around yeah, a sure, little sure, bit, sure. but the actual content is the same. Sure. It's one of the reasons why people like fish. It's always different. It's Baseball. always different. Cool. All right. What should we go out on? Out on? What should we go out on? Um, <laughs> I feel like I, I've okay. been listening to a lot of new stuff, and that's really strange for me because like, no, there no, was no. like a hole I fell in where I would only listen to shows from like 99 or like 95. And like for whatever reason, I've been listening to like just the n- very recent stuff over and over and over. No. Um, <gasps> you say no? Yeah, because <laughs> all the new music, I we were actually talking you about You just before. said that Mercury got stuck in your head, uh, it's even though you hate that not song. Not for good reasons, for bad reasons. Okay. It's like the way that like Creed gets stuck in your head. It's like it's not because you want it to be there, it's just because it just got in there and you want it out. Like I don't like Mercury at all. But um there is a song I've started coming around to because songs like Mercury exist. <laughs> and I admitted this to you the other day. I was like and it's funny cuz it's only cuz I have something to compare it to that I don't like. All right, we're going to go out on, uh, this is Backwards Down the Number Line from 8-7-2018, Camden, New Jersey. Shout out to the Liz's birthday. It's your favorite Backwards Down the Number Line. (laughs) All right, guys, we will see you after this short 15-minute break.
Welcome back, listeners. It's Gad Jabru. I'm Eliza. And I'm the kid. <laughs> so we are going down south with today's beer segment. Okay. <laughs> um, I got the awesome privilege this weekend to go tour uh, the new Stone Brewery, the facility in Richmond, Virginia. And while I was down there hanging out with the arrogant bastards, <laughs> uh, we went to uh, the Vale Brewing Company, also based out of Richmond, Virginia. And a very good friend of mine sent me some stuff from Florida. We have a Seven Sun IPA, which I'm really excited to try. Okay. Where where should we start drinking first? The IPA. Okay. We have to drink the IPA first because from the Vale, we have a sour IPA and a fruited Goza. Oh. <laughs> so I think that we won't be able to, you know, actually pull out flavors from the IPA if we drink the two sours first. Got it. Cool. So while I pour this IPA, chit chat chit chat about stone a little bit. <laughs> uh so the Richmond, Virginia facility uh is brand new for stone. They just opened that one at the same time they were opening the one in Berlin. It is like pretty much no not pretty much. It's the largest brewery I've ever visited. It's the eighth largest in America. Um, and it is just the most high tech thing. Uh, the brewery tour was completely silent. No one was moving around. The entire brewery is automated. It's run by one room and one computer. Um, and it's fantastic. I don't know how many 120 barrel fermenters they have, but they have a ton and then they have space, uh, for additional 120 barrel fermenters. And the facility is double their original location in Escondido, California. So that was fun. It was super cool. Got to try some new Stone stuff. They're coming out with a lager next year called Tropic Thunder, which was nice. Tropic Thunder. Yeah, and then they have a uh, like Revolver Series IPA with rotating. Revolver Thunder. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, it's a rotating single hop IPA series. So the one we got to try was Mosaic, which was pretty badass. They should see me for marketing ideas. Yeah. Tropic Thunder. <laughs> uh, Tropic Lager. A lager. <laughs> Did I say Tropic Thunder? Yeah. It's called Tropic <laughs> Lager, I think. Oh, well, That's a better name. It's a pun on Tropic Thunder, which is a great movie. <laughs> um, so I just took a sip of the Seventh Sun while you were going through all that, and uh, <laughs> it, it smells great. Um, it tastes really great, too. Um, it's a good beer. Okay, it's an IPA with Idaho 7. I typically don't like Idaho 7 hops at all. This is Idaho 7 Hops, and this beer give it juicy aromas like tangerine, apricot, and grapefruit, bursting with tropical fruit and citrus flavors. I didn't get any of those things, but sure. <laughs> I always, I, I, I swear that there's a traveling Cicerone whose job it is to go around the country and make up funny descriptions for beers. <laughs> that should be a job. I if think people already. just think it's funny to have puns on their beers and it's like not that funny and to call out like all like again to use adjectives to describe it like as many that you can peg as possible it's just interesting i feel like that's mis sometimes like can cause you to mislead people or have them like uh looking for something that might not be there i don't know maybe i'm being a, a beer label uh debbie downer yeah you're definitely being a debbie downer Yep. 
Oh, Tampa. I was going to say, I've definitely visited Seven Sun, and it was a really fun experience. I knew they were from somewhere specifically in Florida. Uh, yeah, and they have a Lady Brewmaster, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Lady Brewmaster, that's impressive. Is it, though? <laughs> it shouldn't be. It shouldn't. You're right. That was a microaggression. I apologize. It's okay. I say impressive not in the sense that, like, it can't be done. I say <laughs> impressive like I'm, like, rooting for it. Like, let's Then you go. should just say, like, that's great. Like, that's encouraging. I know, I know. That's I know. inspiring. I know. And it sucks that that's what came to my, my mouth. Yeah, I'm sorry. Again, microaggression. But I meant good behind it. There should be more women brewers. I try to get you to brew. You don't like brewing. Nah. <laughs> I understand how to do it. I mean, I women women like were the it. original brewers. Like correct, women were the first. True that. So the best True beer that. in the world, out of what was at the time, was being made by women. So, Cobra, what do you think of this beer? I love Florida, and honestly, we should probably go to take a trip down there sometime. I like years and years ago, I was down there, but I was down like the down by the like Tampa Bay, St. Pete, Miami, like that type of area. And all the styles that the brewers down there do are very light. They're very clean. They're very refreshing because it's obviously like a hundred degrees down in Florida and people don't want to be drinking crazy dark stuff. Yeah. But they're all great. That means, I mean, for sure, like all the beer that comes out of there. I mean, there's also, um, when we went to New Orleans, too, like it's also super humid and super dry and hot down there, too. Like the beer styles just end up being more my my speed. Sure thing. It. So uh, it's also cool, again, like we were talking about on an episode that never made it to air, kind of the evolution of pale ales. It's nice to see what other markets and other regions of the country think are IPAs. You know what I mean? Like everyone thinks an IPA is something like the yeah, West Coast has the West Coast style and like the Northeast has the Northeast style and New England has their style and everyone has their own version of what an IPA is because it's such a versatile base style. Um, so it's cool to drink an IPA from Florida because you don't usually get to do that. Yeah. Would you argue that this tastes more like a pale ale would if we were from around here? Yeah. There's something about this beer that I genuinely like. I was actually walking over here. And uh, thinking about that, the the two beers I pick from the Vale are both, you know, sours. They're not IPAs. The Vale is also really well known for doing IPAs, double IPAs, triple IPA. They have a they had a triple hopped double IPA. They had a collaboration with Cloudwater. They had a collaboration with other halves. So they're known for doing really hot ba- hot fort stuff. But I didn't want any of it because I'm so sick of like asking for an IPA and it being like a glass of like yellow hop juice. Yeah, they all taste the same to me, and I'm I'm not trying to shit on anybody or shit on the style or like be a dick. I just like don't. There's there's getting to be no differentiation between these beers other than the hops, and I don't know if many of the people who are brewing these beers have the sensibility to put the right combinations together, mm. or just to use popular hops. <laughs> yeah, or hops they can get their hands on. It's like another thing, you know. Yeah, that's totally a thing. So hop contracts, actually, we were talking about this on the tour, are interesting because they're a horrible investment of money. (laughs) Like when you purchase hops from a hop farmer or a hop distributor, you're purchasing hops for like three years from now or two years from now. Yeah. So you're literally paying money for a crop that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. 
And there are a ton of things that can happen to that crop between, <laughs> between now, yeah. the time that it's planted or now and the time where you're supposed to harvest the hops. So it's a horrible investment. And professional brewers lose a lot of money on bad hop contracts. <laughs> but um, it's because the far, the, the this all comes down to time, space, and, and money at the end of the day, right? So it's like. No, I mean, but it also involves weather, like things you can't predict. Right, but you're buying your. You're buying the hops as an investment. Correct. Because it's like you're saying to the farmer, hey, you're going to waste three years of your land growing this before we can reap the benefits of it. Right. But the second you can, I'll buy them all. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty so much So I'm going to give you the money up front so you can spend the time and do what you need to do. But I'll see you in three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. fucking nuts. It's crazy. Could you imagine what uh, people who, you know, had to buy olives went through? Olives take like 30 years to grow. Hell yeah. <laughs> Shit's crazy. There's, I think, again, there's a reason why certain things are just so, uh, you know, eclectic and craft to, to do and make. Like making olive oil is insane. Yeah, it's the, it's the length of time, the investment and patience that has to be put into it. Yeah, and just you have to crush so many olives to get such little olive oil. It's insane. Yeah, that's why pomegranate juice is like $10 a 12-ounce jar. <laughs> More. You, it's you, like $15. What, what part of a pomegranate do you juice? The seeds. The what? thing I was eating today. It's insane. The thin membrane, like the tiny little thin red membrane around the little seed. You have to. So you juice the seeds. You Correct. put it through a juicer? Uh, yeah. I don't uh, know how you'd actually get pomegranate juice without like any of the stuff in it. Yeah. Yes. I think the answer is yes to that. That's insane. Cause there's w- so little juice on each little kernel. so few seeds in a pomegranate. There are so few seeds in a pomegranate. That's true. I mean, there's a bunch, but it's not enough. I mean, how many pomegranates to make a glass of pomegranate juice? It's going to be nuts. That's why it costs so much money. <laughs> I, this this beer is also really interesting to me, honestly, getting back to this because a Idaho 7, I haven't seen that hop in a very long time. It's, it was like uh, used like crazy years ago. So again, it's cool like to taste a beer from another state where I, for whatever reason they're using Idaho 7 hops. Yeah. All right, I'm going to onwards and upwards us over. Are we moving on? Yeah, which one of the two should we have? Oh, one is blueberry. And one is strawberry. The blueberry is an IPA, a sour IPA, and the strawberry is a goza. Shouldn't you do the sour IPA first and then the goza? Does it matter? I truthfully don't know in this instance. I'm not really sure. These aren't traditional styles, so whatever your gut's telling you, I guess. Hmm. Do you want to hear the descriptions before you make up your mind? Yeah. Blueberry Kevin from Sales is a mosaic hopped sour IPA with loads of blueberries. And the Never Never Week Week is a double pineapple, strawberry, and acai berry goza ale. Whoa. <laughs> Hold back your enjoyment. <laughs> Did I sound really excited or really like, not? Oh. <laughs> no, I love I have I've had both of these beers and I don't want to talk about them too much until you try them. Okay. Because I don't want to like Inception. I want to do uh, this guy first. Pineapple, strawberry, acai, berry, goza. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, so the Vale is a pretty amazing brewery. Oh, hello. I just splashed Amazing brewery from Richmond, Virginia. 
they focus on a lot of things. They they kind of cross all styles, but they focus mainly on hop floored beers. Uh, they have a sour ale program. They do wild ales, spontaneous f- fermented ales, and they do actually do um, a lot of darker barrel aged stuff as well. So they're pretty popular as you can imagine because everything they do is kind of the styles that are wanting to be drunk by the market right now but i i was excited to try them we stopped there this weekend um and they have a really cool outside space um you have to stand in one line to get beer very similar to the way Bissup Brothers has it um but the line moves super fast people just get you know pours of stuff um, there are separate registers on the side to buy um, cans and merch. And they had, I was, the thing I was shocked about was they had pretty much every single thing they were serving in their tap room. They were serving a ton of beers in four packs to go. So that's super cool. Like usually when I go to breweries like that where cans are pretty exclusive, people are like, oh, I could get there. Like they're going to run out. They had like stacks and stacks and stacks of this these four packs so they weren't like running out of anything and they had a really wide selection of stuff which is fantastic are you just saying that they had a ton of cans of all the stuff that they were trying to decide i'm confused like yeah i walked up to the girl and i was like well, what can i buy because the list is like 30 40 things they on tap you can drink and she's like oh pretty much like any of them and i was like really and she's like yeah i'll show you the list and they pretty much had like every single thing they were serving in a four pack to go which was so awesome. <laughs> That's insane. Are they just small enough that they can do that? Like, I don't, I don't even like small enough, big enough though. Like that's the, you just said an oxymoron. Like how do you can, I mean, you can everything, everything that they ha- pretty much. I mean, not everything like the Cloudwater collab wasn't available. Like, Oh man, I wish I could have filmed your face. When I smelled this Goza. Yeah. So we walk in, you have to walk into a parking lot. There's a nice outside space. There's food trucks. There's, you see the line. They have the veil written out in like, you know, Broadway lights. And I see everybody walking around with glasses that look like mimosas and daiquiris and all kinds of shit. And I was like, holy shit. So um, they have a whole also smoothie series that they do that I absolutely hated. Uh, it's essentially these fruited beers, the gozes and the sour IPAs, but with lactose and vanilla. And the vanilla was so potent, it kind of repulsed me. Um, so I didn't get any of those, but they had a ho- they have a whole smoothie series. I want to. I want one of those. Yeah, I didn't care for them at all. I made me not. I didn't want to drink them at all. Mm. Vanilla, vanilla, and like beer doesn't go together like actual vanilla doesn't go in a beer I, uh, <laughs> it was really gross you know Almost i've seen people throw worse things into a beer than vanilla like um uh like uh waffle cones <laughs> i've seen some weird shit going to beer that's not weird because wh- whatever stage they add that they're essentially just adding sugar when you add vanilla to anything, it's such a powerful flavor. That's why you have extracts. You add like a teaspoon of something. If you add like a vanilla bean, sometimes recipes only call for like a half a bean. Like it's such a potent thing. They were also, I have to say, serving versions of that frozen as like drinks to drink with the straw, mm. which I thought was cool too. And they're, the one thing I do respect about their sensibility is they uh, recycle everything. They implore people to recycle ev- everything, and they recycle everything. Oh. They were selling um, 16.9-ounce bottles, the only bottle they were selling, and it was a um, oyster stout. And the truck they w- that was there the day we went ha- was selling oysters and seafood. And every single body, every single person that was getting oysters got like a you know paper thing and was told to save their shells and bring them in the back, and they recycled them for the beer. 
Interesting. Yeah, they throw those shells into the beer. Yeah. Well, you never had an oyster stout? It's one of the best things ever. That's crazy. Salty stout. That is nuts. I got to try that. That sounds delicious. That's also I guess I should have gotten the bottle. It didn't appeal to me. It didn't appeal to me at all. I didn't want it at all. That's just interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. That's like when, um, what is it? Um, <coughs> excuse me. What is it? Uh, what the fuck is their name? Oxbow does that lobster shit where they use the lobster shells yes. and shit. Saison de la Argostra. Do you think that when you use shells and like oysters and shit like that, that it's kind of like using the waffle shit? Like you're just getting sugar out of it with those things. You're just getting salt out of it with the other one. Like, uh, I think that people would argue that oysters have more than just a salty flavor. Same thing with lobster. I mean, the base flavor you're getting from them is a, is a saltiness, a salinity to the beer. Yeah. But again, like any other ingredient, it depends on where you add it in the brewing process and how much of it you use and what you want it to really taste. I like. don't know that I believe if I add like the, the, the flavors in beer are so intense already that like even the, the lobster one, we've had it from Oxbow. I don't know that I can actually taste the lobster. Lobster doesn't taste like anything. Exactly. So I'm like, what the? <laughs> yeah, you're not doing anything here. But I guarantee it's if doing you, it to if, say you it. if you you do when you suck on, when you shoot an oyster, you suck on the shell. Yeah, it's but what I'm saying is, is that and in, in that salty case, what, and dirty. So we're back. We're coming back around to my original point. And you know, someone goes around and puts these like flourishy adjectives on these cans and shit. I think when you say something like, oh, brewed with lobster shells, it's just like cool. I'm never gonna taste it. So that adjective like doesn't matter <laughs> again like if i put waffle cones in there to get sugar out of what i'm doing but then i say you know brewed with waffle cones blah, blah blah and the name kind of implies that it's an ice cream sandwich something or whatever like you're you're selling the idea that this is going to be present in the way that i conceptualize and taste it but it's not actually there i don't know it's some weird, things it's are weird some marketing. things are amiss it's, it's, it's so he, here's what i'll say about that um when i like read a description of a beer I want it to taste what they're telling me it's going to taste like. So do I. And if they're using very potent flavors, I want them to know how to use those flavors in a very subtle way so that I get those flavors that they're promising me. But I don't. <laughs> but I A, still taste the beer and B, all of the flavors work together to yield a final product or a final taste or flavor or sensation for me that I haven't experienced in, in a new way. Yeah. I, I want a lot out of a beer. There's I, a lot of shit in it. And, and I think, and I, but I think you can challenge it in a way. So, uh, you know, you and I have been getting into cocktails and making a bunch of cocktails. There's a cocktail that we like called Slippery When Wet. And it's basically a strawberry milkshake is how I would describe it is what it tastes like. It really I, does taste like a strawberry milkshake. I'm so surprised you remember the name of that. Yeah. It's delicious. So, and it, it's funny because I hate strawberry milkshakes, but I like this cocktail. And, um... You, are you going to tell them the secret? <laughs> oh, what's in the cocktail to make it taste like a milkshake? Uh-huh. Uh, it's yogurt. Which sounds so gross, but definitely this cocktail is worth trying. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that if someone creatively found a way to mix ingredients in a beer and they could make a beer that tasted like a strawberry milkshake, a carbonated, alcoholic strawberry milkshake that still fits in the realm of beer, then good on you. I think challenging the form and like making people taste a certain thing that they like can identify as great. But I don't, I, I don't think you should also limit that either. I think that could 
be what I I think what I'm saying is is like the breweries or chata. I love that beer and it has vanilla in it. And you were just saying like vanilla should never be in a beer and blah blah blah. No, I think no, I was saying when it's when it's used, it needs to be used with a subtle hand because it's a very powerful flavor. Right, it is, and it's very powerful in the horchata. But vanilla is also a very powerful flavor in horchata. Like, it's it's trying to be something and it's doing it well, but it's also presented in a beer way that it's still beer. Like I, I think that beer is not only very well created, but totally encapsulates what it's claiming to be. Yeah, that so beer's great. It's great. Yeah. It's it's not m- anything I want to drink. And that's <laughs> what I'm saying. The the Vale had a really awesome uh apple brandy aged imperial oyster stout or some shit. Yeah. Way too much going on. Didn't want that. Yeah. They also had like another imperial beer that no joke, when you put it up to your nose, smelled like you were had your eyes closed and you were smelling a bottle of maple syrup. Huh. That sounds awesome. No joke. It was smelled like fucking maple syrup. That's awesome. I want that. I hated it. That's what I'm saying. I hated it. I appreciate them for being such good brewers and knowing how to create that, but I didn't want that. And I'm saying that God, those, those me go to smoothie beers so were bad. gross. I want to go to this place so bad. It's only a six-hour drive away. Oh, my God. Take me there. <laughs> if you're ever in Richmond, Virginia, which is nice. It's very low-key. I actually really enjoyed my weekend there. Uh, definitely hit up the Vale. Their their beers are really interesting. If If not for nothing, they're very interesting. I was standing on the line to get a drink in front of an old couple from Florida. <laughs> And the old guy was super sweet, and so was the old woman. And they were like, we're up here on vacation from Florida, and this is the first place my husband wanted to go. So they were, like, drinking and hanging out, and it was great. It was really cute. All right. Last beer. God, they keep popping like this. What's going on with these cans, man? Interesting cans. I think it's the way they're uh, they're filled. Too high? Um, Look at the color on that man. I Oof. know it's it's also way clearer than the uh, than the first one. This is a sour IPA. The first one we had was a Goza. Yeah, that Goza was cloudy as fuck. So can we talk about the Goza before you drink that though? Because we didn't really talk about that. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. So how did you like the Never Never Week Week? <laughs> Say it again. How did you like the Never Never Week Week? Um, it was good. It's really double dry. pineapple, strawberry, acai, berry. I don't, goza. I don't get any of the pineapple. I get um, it's definitely a goza. Hmm. Um, I, I get pineapple in the nose right away. In the nose, yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't right taste away. it. I don't taste it. I do. Maybe because you can smell it. Maybe I'm. I don't know. Let me go back to it. Yeah, I can smell it. I can smell it for sure. It's I great, can't taste it, man. Though. I think this beer tastes like a strawberry daiquiri, and I love it, like in the best way. <laughs> I don't drink strawberry daiquiris. Maybe that just means I need to have a strawberry daiquiri. God, this show is crazy. <laughs> it makes you realize you should do so many things for the first time that you've never done. <laughs> you have strawberries in your fridge right now. I make do. Make a strawberry daiquiri. I'm going to make a slippery one wet as soon as this recording's over. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> It reminds me of that a little bit, only not like milky, <laughs> like again, like not like a smoothie, not like a shake. It's, it's like very clean. But it's also tower, uh, tower. It's also sour, so it's Correct. tart and and it's, it's. But they add a ton of sweet shit. They add pineapple, strawberry, and acai berry, so that s- right, s- but saltiness that is balancing out that sweetness. Yeah, but then all that sweetness that's supposed to be there as the alcohol, you know, it's alcoholic too, so it dries out. All that sweetness that I'm I'm expecting out of all the things that you describe. 
and then I taste it and it's sour and, and dry. So I think this beer is so good. I think <laughs> I think what it's what's funny to me is I at the end of the day, the overarching theme here is how people interpret language and what that means to them. And when you say berry stuff to me that's in a beer, I expect something sweet. And I think a lot of the times when someone says sweet things as a beer descriptor, it's what they're talking about that you're going to smell. And then the smell is supposed to influence the way that you taste it. So you start picking up those characters in the beer. But in actuality, that beer is always on the, you know, it's dry. It's not sweet. If it is sweet, it's malty sweet. The beer should taste like the style they're telling you it's going to taste like. Yeah, of course. This tastes like a goza. Yeah, it definitely tastes like a goza. It's so good. I'm saying I get lost in I get lost in the descriptive language sometimes, because I go in searching for that. You can't. And you, you that's can't not do that. the thing you should be focusing on at all. I know. Because I know. adjectives are subjective. I know. You should be pulling out the actual things, they the ingredients and the raw materials they're saying they're using to brew a beer. Yeah, and this is I, this is arguably why I will say marketing is one of the most important parts of beer you're like telling people what they should expect and it's something that a lot of people i don't want to say it's not that it's not important obviously they spend millions of dollars like drawing up labels and doing all this shit and marketing their beer but like i think descriptors and how people interpret them are just different (laughs) again look for the raw ingredients that were used in a product yeah because then that actually gives you a frame of reference. It's different when someone's trying to describe something that isn't what something really is. Yeah. Like hop smells. Like hops are green leaves. Yeah. So just when you say something smells strawberry, you're like, ah, it's hard to, you're, you have to like, you know, mentally picture that and kind of convince yourself of that, I think. Yeah. It's the things that you experience smells and tastes are all like, home to you yeah. like there are general like, like general colors. right there are general color. like adjectives that can pretty much be voted on as you know applying to something but then everyone has their own like little unique thing yeah taste works with your nose which works with your eyes which works with your brain which works with your ears and all the things matter <sighs> Ooh. How do we like the sour IPA? Blueberry Kevin from Sales. It definitely, definitely tastes like blueberries. <laughs> this blueberries. beer conceptually is amazing to me, and I think it's fantastic, and they pulled it off. It is a sour IPA, brew, like hopped with mosaic hops, and they use the blueberry to show you that mosaic hops have a general blueberry sensibility about them. So both of these things elevate each other. I don't know about all that second part, but sure. You keep telling me that mosaic hops taste like blueberries. And they like do. They do. <laughs> uh, this beer is very interesting. I still don't know if I understand what a sour IPA is, but. Um, There's a couple of different ways you can make sour IPAs. You can brew an ale like an IPA and then, you know, kettle sour it. Yeah. You can add like lactobacillus to an IPA along with your regular IPA yeast and make it sour and then chuck whatever fruit or at, you know, seasonings you want into it. That's yeah. typically how it's made. Hmm. 
No, it's just that, like I I don't like like you, you have said to pick be- a style. So, you mix firm. Yeah, it's really funny when you, when you <laughs> said that before. You were like, you know, there's beers where you can obviously say this is a goza and it tastes like a goza and that's great. But again, when you say sour IPA to me, I don't know what I'm supposed to be <laughs> like going into. Yeah, I don't it know. seems like it's something <laughs> that shouldn't have ever crossed yeah. together. I've only experienced it recently. Hudson Valley Brewing Company up in the Hudson Valley uh, where we live in New York. Um, they He does like pretty much exclusive sour IPAs. I was like, I don't know what that means. I thought it was a mistake I when I first read that. trying to just pair <laughs> something, like the used fruit to make something sour and tart, but also pair them with the right hops that you're exemplifying those parts of it being sour. But again, I feel like when you say sour IPA, you're like melding two different molds that already exist in my brain together to a point where I'm not really sure what the figurine is supposed to be anymore. Like, it's interesting and... Um. So let let me ask you this. <laughs> Blueberries don't really have a smell, right? Right. But when you smell this beer and then you drink it, like how much of your nose or mouth or eyes are telling you this tastes and smells like blueberry? Like, don't you think the mosaic hops are like signaling to your brain to prepare you that this is going to be made of blueberry, like have blueberries in it? Blueberries don't have a smell, right? Yeah. So but don't you think the mosaic hops, but the bl- there's already blueberries in here to give you the taste. Right. There's That's actual what I'm blueberries. I don't in know. Here to give I don't know that the mosaic hops to me, they're, they're partnering well with it in the sense that it's making right, like they set my mind up to know I'm about to drink a blueberry something because they smell like blueberries to me. Okay. They smell like the way blueberries taste. All right. And that's why using mosaic hops with blueberries is like a fucking genius thing to do. Okay. It's capturing the smell and the taste and the look. Your eyes are like, oh, this is blue, like a blueberry. Yeah. That beer is so good, man. These beers are so good. (laughs) Yeah. They are really good. Uh, I think they're really interesting. I don't know if I learned something today. Oh, too bad. Don't care. (laughs) I really don't give a shit. These beers are fucking amazing. And I just wanted to like drink them and share them with you. Oh, they're great. Um, (laughs) I'm glad. Well, that's not true. I learned that... um, (laughs) I would say if I learned something today, the sour IPA is exactly what I just said. You're trying to use. I think I learned how the interplay of that works. Um, I think I learned that uh, Seven Sun makes a really great uh, IPA. That IPA was phenomenal. It was good. Um, it, was it was good solid. it was slightly it was solid. different. It was solid. I would drink that in a hot climate all day long. Like I, That's a crushable IPA, which is. I don't even know how much percentage is. They put very little information on their cans. I'm trying to find out the ABV of this Seventh Sun Project Popsicle IPA. I can't find it on the can. They also don't print where they're from on the can, which leads me to believe that they're not selling this in retail, maybe? The person who sent this to me lives there, so maybe he went and picked up a couple at the brewery? I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) There's a bar tag on it, though, so there's something to scan. Hmm. Well, uh, so I, I'm I'm b- being an ass, so I did I, I learned some Ooh, things yeah, today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I learned some things today. I think saying you learned nothing is stupid. Being an yeah, asshole. I'm always <laughs> being an asshole if I say I learned nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, six point five percent. Six point five. That's crazy. 
That's great. Doesn't taste it like it. Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't taste, taste like, like it. Which is great. Uh, that means uh, A, that beer is dangerous. B, it's brewed very well. C, exactly. it's dangerous. I definitely think it's brewed very well. It's one of the things I would agree with. Shout out to Jesse. Thank you for sending me the seventh son. And uh, shout out to the Veiled Brewing Company for being awesome. What are you taking us out on, the kid? Uh, it's Boston Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, 1994. And we're going to go out on Susie Greenberg, which is the cover that's not a cover that we got wrong on the questions of the th- of the thing that we took. <laughs> cool. I'm into it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Gotta Jabiru. Uh, we will post the beers we drank and the descriptions and set up a couple links we post this yeah i'll actually take a picture of the label and i'll throw it on our instagram at got very cool well thank you for joining us in this episode i am the lizza and i am the kid we will see you next time uh...